Welcome back to Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports, we pop on out to the KDOS hotline to get the 76ers perspective. Friend of the show, Gina Mizell from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Gina, Kayla with you. How are you doing? I'm great, Kayla. Excited for the playoffs in both conferences, but certainly um, the Sixers playoff run, I think, is going to be very interesting, not just for the current version of this team, but potentially for the future of, of what this team looks like as well. I love it. You've set the scene beautifully here. All things we're going to get into, but I guess I can't put the cart before the horse here. We have to start with Joel Embiid. Uh, this man averaging 33 points a game, 10 rebounds a game, four assists a game. He's about on pace for the same amount of games this regular season as last, but significantly more than two years ago. He has dropped three games this season with at least 50 points in the contest. So is he the regular season MVP? I mean, he's got a great case, obviously. And Doc Rivers came out and said that the MVP race was over after he scored 52 points in a win over six earlier this week. And the Sixers needed every single one of those points. And just his his dominance overall, his scoring, his shot blocking, um, the way he has sort of continued to evolve his game. He's playing a lot more from sort of that mid-post area, the elbow and the nail on the court and just his facilitating from there, the way he can play off the dribble and shoot off the dribble. I mean, he's doing stuff that a big man just shouldn't be able to do. And that's no disrespect, obviously, to Giannis has an amazing case with the season he's having and the fact that the Bucks are the best team in the league. And, of course, Nikola Jokic and everything that he has done and his efficiency and his advanced stats and the fact that the Nuggets are the best team in the West. So you really cannot go wrong with any selection. But as somebody who's watched Joe all season, um, he has been, I think, the best he's ever been um, at, at this point. And like you said, he's been a second the last two years and, and certainly has an incredible case to, to be MVP this year. I want to stick with Joel Embiid here for just a minute. How has his game changed this year compared to last year or maybe not changed, which is like taking that next step? And, and then therefore, how has it fit in with the guys around him? Yeah, well, I think his durability, um, and really you can go the past two years uh, when you're looking at this, his durability has been a big development, not just from a couple years ago when I think a late knee injury probably prevented him from winning MVP, but certainly earlier in his career when he missed you know, multiple seasons because of injury and kind of gained a reputation as being a guy who can't stay healthy. But you know, this year he's fought through. He's had a foot issue for a lot of the season. Obviously the calf injury or calf tightness is what kept him out of that very anticipated game in Denver and it's kind of caused some some discourse or some controversy um, here in, in the final weeks of the season but that's definitely something and then I'll go back to what I said before as far as just the way that he can create off the dribble and facilitate when when he gets double teamed now um, it's not typically in the post where it's a lot easier to do that it's, it's going to come from you know the the the, the nail and, and the the elbow and the, and the mid post area and it's where it's a lot easier to see the floor and to pass the ball and to get the get the ball to open teammates and that's why his assist numbers are what they've been the last couple of seasons so you know you look at the way he plays on both ends of the floor he when he wants to play defense he's really dominant obviously on that end and then the way he's a multi-dimensional scorer where yes he can overpower you with his size and his force and the way he can get to the free throw line but he can also hit threes and he can also make shots off the dribble too so he's really a complete basketball player which um, somebody of his size is not typically you know going to fit that mold 
having a conversation. Gina Mizell, Philadelphia Inquirer, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. Uh, James Harden, less than 60 mm-hmm. games this season, had an Achilles injury. So how is he first doing health-wise? And at 33 years old, how has he had to adapt his game? Yeah, not just the Achilles, but um, he had a foot sprain earlier in the season that kept him out for about a month. And so that's something that's been monitored kind of all, all this season as well. But, you know, he, they're, they're all downplaying the, the soreness in his Achilles right now. But I think you can see at times that it, it's affected him or that he, he felt it at certain points throughout the season. And that's why they opted to shut him down for the last road trip that they went on earlier this month. But, yeah, that's going to be a huge key, obviously, for him going into the playoffs because the last couple of years, He's been hampered by the hamstring injury that was, you know, pretty pretty much healed coming into this season, and that's why you saw him, um, you know, play play the way that he did to start before he had the foot injury. But yeah, you mentioned his age and and the way that he's had to adapt his game because of that, and not just because of where he is in his career, but because of who he's playing around. I mean, when he's playing with a guy that's as dominant as Embiid, um, he's gone off and now leads the league in assists and is now a playmaker for this offense. And you you've seen him continue to develop in that area even compared to last season, because you have to remember he was a trade deadline addition. So it was kind of a, it's sort of similar to what Kevin Durant is doing right now in Phoenix in, in that you're sort of trying to adapt and learn on the fly and learn your teammates and figure things out. You go through that, then you go through a training camp and the, the whole regular season, and there's just a higher comfort level. So no, he's, he's more of a facilitator. He obviously still has times where he makes a lot of shots and is a go-to scorer, but He's not the bona fide number one option in the same way that he was when he was, you know, an all-NBA player and MVP um, in in Houston for so many years. Let's talk about the team. Third place in the East this season. Mm -hmm. There has been kind of a lot of talk about how the Bucs and Celtics are in a tier of their own. Then you have the 76ers, and then it drops off after them. So what if there is the case for the 76ers being considered in the same class as the Bucs and the Celtics? Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with that, honestly. And the one thing I would say is that the way that the Celtics have played maybe the last six weeks to a month or so where they've sort of fallen off after they just had an incredible start and you thought they were going to have the best offense in NBA history and all of that, um, the way they've kind of tapered off a little bit, I I think maybe gives the Sixers a a better chance in a second-round series against them. But that's also not a great matchup for them. Um, You know, last uh, the went on Tuesday notwithstanding when they were able to squeak that one out um, with the with the Celtics and the fact that they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Robert Williams and just the the, the way that their roster is made up is, is a tough matchup for the Sixers. They've actually played better against the Bucks, not just this season, but kind of the last couple of seasons historically. So um, if that was the second round matchup, I think I would give them a better shot than against the Celtics, even though they just beat them earlier this week. But I think there's a great case to be made, and this is no disrespect to the Denver Nuggets, the team that I also used to cover, but I think the top three teams in the NBA, at least that they've shown so far this season, I think are all in the Eastern Conference, and I think unfortunately for the Sixers, the two best ones are right in front of them, and if that sort of plays out in you know the, the normal chalk fashion, that means that the Sixers are going to lose in the second round again, and that I think would potentially lead to a lot of changes here in Philly. 
Uh, I think you're the perfect person to ask this question, too. So we've seen, you know, load management kind of take a life of its own this season. And for me, at least, it has made kind of handicapping how good these teams really are or, you know, who's going to have the edge going into the playoffs. So as someone who has covered several different teams in this league throughout your career, you know, how do you assess trying to figure out who's good, who's going to match up well against one another and and kind of preview what happens in the playoffs? Yeah, it's tough because it's not just load management, but it's also the way that the schedule can break. I mean, for instance, when the Sixers were in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, you know, Kevin Durant doesn't play, so that's a major layer. And then the Sixers were on the second night of a back-to-back, and James Hurts didn't play. So, again, how do you, like, evaluate that random regular season game on a, on a Saturday in late March? It's really, really difficult. And, again, even going back to the Sixers beating the Celtics on Tuesday, that was a huge win for them, but – Robert Williams didn't play in that game, and Jalen Brown didn't play in that game. Or you look at the Sixers lose to the Heat last night, but Tyrese Maxey didn't play. I mean, it's just it's really, really challenging to sort of, like you said, evaluate where certain teams are because it's so rare that both teams are either at full strength or at, you know, this term now that we hear that's called rest advantage, and that doesn't even necessarily pertain to player health, but it's just who's on a back-to-back, who's on the last game of a long road trip, who has gotten three days off randomly and is like fresh and ready to go, but are they rusty because they've had three days off? It's just really hard where um, you know everyone's kind of on their own separate journey as far as these teams are, are concerned. It's not like the NFL or some other you know sports where it's kind of consistent where they're playing on the same day, they've got the same amount of rest, both teams are generally fully healthy in most cases. Um, so, no, that's going to make the playoffs really fascinating. And, and certainly the Sixers are kind of at the heart of that, given um, you know what, what they've had to deal with this season. Gina Mizell, Philadelphia Inquirer, right here on KDOS AM 1060 in the Extra Point. You mentioned Tyrese Maxey there. He was dealing with a fractured bone earlier in the season. He's averaging mm-hmm. 20.3 points per game, 43.4% from three. So what sort of role is he going to have to play in the postseason for this team to have success? Yeah, he's been really, really good the past month or so, too. And it was interesting because when he came back from that broken foot, um, he initially was coming off the bench um, as kind of a six-man role. And that didn't really work. He wasn't super comfortable. He didn't look very comfortable there. And so um, on March 1st, they moved him back into the starting lineup, and he has just been tearing it up scoring-wise. I mean, his shooting percentages are off the charts, especially from three. And just kind of looks back to being the dynamic Tyrese Maxey that sort of had a big breakout season last year. And so that's, I think, what they're going to need to see from him is that aggressiveness being, you know, sometimes a go-to scorer, but just a really dangerous complementary scorer with the way that he can get to the basket, the way he can shoot from three. He's one of the fastest players in the NBA, so getting out in transition and kind of sneaking behind the defense is where he can be really um, effective. And and so, yeah, that's what they're looking for um, from him as they go to the playoffs. But his emergence, or I guess re-emergence, has been a pretty major storyline um, over the past you know, several weeks or so because, yeah, he was first he was hurt, then it just looked kind of funky for him for a little while, but he's certainly, I think, in a good headspace and feeling confident and obviously uh, you know, playing very well right now. How do you uh, foresee the rotation shrinking and being used come playoff time? Yeah, that's always a, a huge thing, and that was one thing that this team added quite a bit of depth um, in the offseason, which has certainly helped them during the regular season, but, you know, I think it's going to go down to probably eight, maybe nine players in the first round, and then it's going to shrink even more. So you look off the bench, um, you know, Paul Reed is Joel Embiid's backup, but how much does he play? Um, someone like a George Niang, who's a great three-point shooter, but has been struggling from deep as of late, and if he's not making shots, it's kind of hard to 
keep him on the floor because of some other deficiencies in his game. Um, you know, Shake Milton had a great run as a backup guard, but he's been kind of in and out of the rotation the last few weeks. Uh, you know, Jalen McDaniels was their trade deadline acquisition, and so he's still, you know, effective, but it's kind of, you can tell, still getting comfortable on this roster. So, yeah, I think that the rotation is going to be really interesting. Of course, it might depend on who they match up against in the first round, and then I think we'll, we'll expect to see that shrink as, as they go deeper and deeper in the playoffs, which is, uh, I think, pretty typical for a team. Gina Mizell, Philadelphia Inquirer here on KDOS AM 1060. So the the sixth uh, place is still yet to be decided in the East, but if the 76ers do end up having to play the Nets in the first round of the playoffs, Cam Johnson and especially Mikel Bridges have been given the green light to shoot and score buckets. So how challenging of a matchup is that for the 76ers? And I I believe that they are scheduled to play them one more time uh, before the end of the regular season, but again, who knows who's actually going to be playing? Exactly. Yeah, that's their regular season finale on Sunday. And if things are locked up, I mean, even if things aren't locked up for the Nets necessarily, um, I think that's going to be a game where you see the Sixers play. A lot of folks that you, I think we might see slam dunk champ Mac McClung potentially on the floor for, for that game. So I do think it's probably going to be the Nets in the first round. And yeah, you mentioned the, the two former Suns guys, uh, Mikhail Bridges has been incredible as far as, yeah, like you said, um, getting the green light to score and, and the way he's emerged as like a bona fide number one offensive player has been pretty impressive to me as somebody who watched the first couple years of his career and you saw that offensive development but I don't know if I foresaw this coming and then Cam Johnson obviously getting a chance to sort of reestablish himself after you know coming off the injury that he had in Phoenix earlier this season but I, I like the Sixers in that matchup just because I don't think they have size to match up against Embiid um you know, Nick Claxton is a really fun player to watch and has had a, a great season, but just is not big enough, I think, to match up with Embiid. But, um, yeah, that would be, a, I think, a, maybe a five-game series, uh, potentially a, a sweep, but I would could probably give the Nets one game. But, yeah, that would be an interesting look because the Sixers played the Nets in uh, February was the last time that they played them, and it was actually the debut for Bridges and Cam Johnson. So that was their very first game. Mikael Bridges had a chance to make a game winner and missed it, and I know he was really upset with himself after that game. But, you know, with uh, with some more intense scouting and a week to prepare and, and get ready for that matchup, I think I like the Sixers in the first-round series. Has Doc Rivers been asked or reflected on anything from last year to this year and some of the ways to handle the postseason differently than years prior with the 76ers? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the fact that they deliberately wanted to add some more toughness um, to their group this season, uh, which they feel like they've done that with somebody like a PJ Tucker, who obviously another former son who uh, is, is a guy that doesn't care about scoring, but is a really good defender, uh, really physical, very communicative, is kind of one of those vocal leaders and sort of the guy that you need on a, on a playoff team. That's why the Milwaukee Bucks traded for him when they won the title. That's why the Miami Heat wanted him last year when they were the top seed in the East. And so that's a, I think we're now going to see the time that PJ Tucker is most valuable for this team. Um, and then just, you know, again, I think a lot of it goes back to the fact that this team believes that they have more chemistry and more cohesion than they did last year just because they got a full season of James Harden and Joel Embiid in particular playing together and a lot of, um, you know, the rest of this group. And DeAnthony Melton, another former son, I feel like I just keep talking about former Phoenix players, is another big addition that they think can help them on the perimeter defensively and can make shots and has spent a lot of time in the starting lineup uh, just because of the injuries to Harden and Maxi throughout the year. So, 
no, I think they're better equipped. This is certainly, um, I think, a much better team than last year. Again, they're stacked up against really good competition, and I'm looking forward to seeing how you know it all sort of pans out. Uh, Gina, before we let you go here, I think I asked you this last year, so I'm going to ask it again this year. Uh, another okay. year into the partnership with Embiid and Harden, what you've been talking mm-hmm. about, what is not making it to the Eastern uh, Conference Finals considered? Is that a, a failure if they don't make it there? And what happens to this team if that doesn't take place? I do think it's a failure, and I do think if they do not make it, uh, there would be some changes. Um, you know, generally in that type of situation, the the coach can be the fall guy. Um, I'm not, that's like me just speculating. That's not me reporting that Doc Rivers would be fired if, if that, if they were to, to fail to get out of the second round. But I think that's a possibility. Um, of course, there were some rumblings earlier this season about James Harden potentially weighing going back to Houston, which to me, just as a person, that seems like an odd fit given the, the state of that team. But, you know, if, if this team kind of falls flat again, I could see some significant changes being made. Um, you know, I know a lot of people wonder about somebody like Embiid and and we're always looking for who's the next big superstar to want to leave. I don't sense any of that from Joel. Um, I know he appreciates playing in Philadelphia and embraces the city and, you know, wants to to bring a title here or to succeed here. But yeah, I think um, if if they fail to get out of the second round, which they have not gotten out of the second round since Allen Iverson was, was leading that team, I I do think it would lead to some pretty significant changes in a very, very interesting summer here. Just saying the name Allen Iverson is like major flashbacks. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's been a a minute. It's been a minute. (laughs) Absolutely. Gina, as always, thank you so much for the time and look forward to doing it again soon. All right, no problem, Kayla. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Once again, she is Gina Mizell there with the Philadelphia Inquirer.